Hey. Yo, what's happening? What's up? What's good? Woody Episode 7. Episode 7. What it do? It's a year since we started, One dude. One year anniversary. What the hell? I know, what man. What the hell? It's a minute. It's a minute. And it's real and it's a vibe. But first off, like we start every other show, we recognize this country as being the lands taken care of by the traditional owners and acknowledge the Yagara and Turrbal people on whose land we are recording on. We pay our respect to elders, past, present and emerging and acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as First Nation peoples of Australia. Whew. Whew. This weekend has whew, uh, got me feeling that. That's uh, pretty pertinent in our mm-hmm. current uh, climate and... Yeah. So we've got a really jam-packed show, so we're going to get through our alternate F5 that playlist, which we're calling Brisbane Built, and uh, we're going to get into it. Jared, do you want to start us off? Yeah, for sure. So I've just gone back to, I've got two artists, well, two tracks, mm. multiple artists, uh, Kuya James featuring, featuring Emily Wurramoro, their new track called Trust, and uh, it's a little bit of something different, I think, from Emily um, but I don't know. For some reason, when I was listening to it, it was a bit of a Beyonce vibe. But I'm pretty much obsessed with this track right now. Just on the playlist, get onto it if you haven't heard it. And if you haven't heard it, where have you been? Um, <laughs> my second track is called Anar, um, uh Afrikaans for like, ouch. Uh, it is by Amin Heron, Youngster CPT, and uh, Nadia Jephthah. Jephthah. Sorry, I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce that. But it's Youngster is pretty much one of my favorite artists. It's always on the F5, that playlist, mm. all his new tracks. It's a banger. Just get onto it. You'll enjoy it. It's really good. Um, and then I suppose no judgment here. There's, Never. There's two, two uh, companies that I want to chat about or businesses that I want to chat about. Um, the first is the little coffee shop that I go to. Well, I went to every day for work, mm-hmm. like when I was working, the little coffee shop downstairs, they're doing it pretty tough um, with everyone leaving the city over the last couple of months. Um, and that's uh, Henry's Coffee Bar. So if you're in the city, great food, great coffee, really cool people, um, go go around. They're on Ann Street, just around the corner from King George Square. Um, and yeah, they really deserve support really cool people mm. um so yeah go 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 have a look they are on instagram as well just henry's coffee bar i think they've got two locations in the city but i'm specifically talking about the ant street one that we frequent most days of the morning yeah um and then the second one is km makeup studio that's kind of weird from it that, there we go you. there we go what's she doing highlights what's she doing <laughs> no so it's just uh Friends, friends mm. of friends that we've met, mm. really cool people as well. Um, Michelle, she's one of the directors there. Hair and makeup. My wife went for her pre-wedding make makeup sh- like test. Mm. Just again, it's just people that I know that I'm doing my bit to say get out there, support local. Um, as I say, Michelle's really cool. Her partner Bruno, champ. So. Yeah, get out there and support them. They are based in um, Stanley Street, East Brisbane. But just uh, KM Makeup Studio on Instagram. All the details are there. So those are my those are my alternate uh, Brisbane built. 
Love it. What, All right, I'm going to run through mine yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, what do you got quickly. on your list? I got a new album and song release. So Maisha, who I've mentioned before many times, has a new album out called Nyaringu. I recommend people go and listen to this album. It is a one that you need to be on the watch for. Uh, specifically, Broken Tongues, one of the songs. Again, Seichem, who we've got on the show this evening, has released a new single, Gemini, Get On It. You know what to do. Blow it up. Um, businesses, there's a new um, aesthetic wellness and healing bar that's looking at holistical medic- medicine um, by Dr. Sam. She's just opened up a new clinic in Nanda, but she's got one in Rockhampton and Yapoon. Um, it's a unique approach to integrative aesthetics, uh, combining nutritional and environmental medicine with weight loss, gut health and aesthetic medicine. So if you're really into wellness and healing, check that out. Uh, another one is Law, L-O-R-E, which is a textiles concept by Shannon Brett that offers skills and workshop opportunities for Indigenous people who are interested in attaining savvy expertise in the areas of design, colour theory, fashion, printmaking, professional development, mentorship and collaboration. Uh, it's also a fashion brand that'll be launching a new online store soon. Um, as for art, artists and the digital creators, I would recommend if you are looking into emerging electronic music, um, check out Shoku Life. That's S-H-O-K-U Life. Um, they run a few beat sessions, I think, on SoundCloud. So if you're in the lookout for new beats from Australia and the global, check them out. And that's it for me. Sweet. Thank you. I'm super excited to get into our guest tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. We got a we got a lineup. We have one. Um, we've got Blacklash Creative, and again, we have a special performance for our one yeah. year anniversary. Hold on to your socks. This so, one's going to be a banger. Yeah, it is. Let's get it. Thank you so much for joining us this evening for episode seven of Neon Hotline's next podcast. Um, we are joined by Troy and Amanda from Blacklash Creative, and just to give you a brief little overview, I'll tell you just what I know. And that is Blacklash is a 100% Aboriginal owned and operated creative agency and was established in 2018, delivering cultural events and creative projects that showcase Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices. And they offer a number of services, including arts and cultural events, project management, community engagement, public art and activations, just to name a few. And there is quite a few. Um, the creative agency is run by the wonderful Amanda Heyman and Troy Casey. And one of the major events that they've delivered that most may know of is the Minjin Markets, which is a two-day festival supporting and empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mu- art, music and artisan products. From this, they've since opened a retail space in West End called Open House. And they share that space with Box Vintage and Local Makers Collective. And in the background, you can hear little Charlie... We are absolutely blessed to have this little bond of joy with us as well. I was about to say, you forgot the most important part of the introduction. No, the most important comes at the end. Oh, okay. Cool. Potentially yeah. the youngest uh, attendee of one yeah. of these podcasts. Mm, yeah, definitely the youngest. The youngest we've ever, ever had on the show. <laughs> That's just to kick it off. So, if you wouldn't mind, guys. Oh, Charlie <laughs> wants to say something. <laughs> Just giving a brief background of who you are and what you're, <laughs> who you're 
who you are and what Black Clash Creative is to you. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, so um, you summed it up really nicely, I think. Um, for us, Black Clash Creative is a creative agency that specialises in curating exhibitions, events and festivals, predominantly using visual arts as a medium to tell our stories. Um, we like to do that because I think visual arts can start a conversation um, that's a whole lot deeper than just the artwork itself. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we we can kind of create a dialogue off the back of those um, responses to current things that are happening um, for our communities. That is amazing. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've rebranded. And um, I just wanted to know, what is what do you think was the learning outcomes from the last agency you had? And what was the, I guess, outcomes that evolved into the creative that you have now? I guess uh, we started out as Blacklash projects, really taking on um, everything that was offered to us. Um, we just said yes for the first year. And um, now we're at a point where we can um, kind of decide what we say yes and no to. Um, we, we have the luxury of really... Um, kind of deciding what we want to focus on and our, our new um, company Blacklash Creative is really about art and design and we're, we're really concentrating on, on um, supporting artists through this. Yeah, um, I think also kind of Blacklash Creative is kind of all-encompassing. Projects was kind of specifically, you know, things like the markets, things like kind of smaller events and festivals, but now kind of reshaping our focus, it's more about kind of using visual arts and design as a medium to communicate um, the stories of our community, so. Because it's a lot. Like my next question was kind of going into you have – a large portfolio at the moment and you saying like you know we can pick now between yes or no to these projects I was going to ask like how do you keep so productive when you have so many of these things going on at one time especially now with Charlie in the mix mm, it's it's interesting I think um, we are trying to find a balance obviously of having a, a newborn um, but then also trying to figure out what where's our time spent best um, and what's the greatest impact that we can have? Um, I think like all Aboriginal businesses think around what's the impact that they can create for their communities and kind of us, it's through visual arts and telling those stories, but, um, we've kind of gone from this really wide arching, um, array of projects that we do and kind of narrowing our scope into thinking about, you know, we don't say yes to kind of smaller projects anymore. Because if we say yes to a heap of smaller projects, it's, you know, they can blow out really easily and quickly. Um, but when we can get larger projects, we can really sink our teeth into it. We can engage more Aboriginal and artists, designers, um, and employ more people as a result. So um, narrowing our focus doesn't necessarily mean doing less. It's about doing bigger and larger scale projects. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask, I saw there were quite a few projects you've done with local councils and so BCC and I saw some on Logan and uh, how, how do you guys feel? Is there a support base from the city councils and are, are you happy with the amount of support you receive and going forward, how would you like it to change or are you happy with the status of, of government support for, for these type art-based art productions? 
We're really lucky to have a really good relationship with Brisbane City Council. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been delivering the Indigenous Art Program for them for the last four or five years. Um, and, you know, we've been really lucky to support um, over 50 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists to have their works displayed in public places throughout mm-hmm. the city. Yeah, I, I noticed that bridge, that William Jolly Bridge it's projection. Amazing, that was isn't just it? like, like I've seen a lot of artwork, but that was really like a big impact. It was like a wow factor. It was really beautiful. So yeah. sorry, I just wanted to say it was beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, um, you know, being able to put artists on that those kind of platforms and create those kind of outcomes is really special. Like for artists to be able to go and sit by the river and look at their artwork projected on the William Jolly Bridge is kind of a a bit of a life-changing experience for an artist and we've been able to do three of those projections each year for the last five years you know and so having those um, impacts is really important but kind of touching back again on that support I think Amanda said it really well like we're super lucky that Brisbane City Council has a program like that that puts those artists in such a important position inside Brisbane CBD. So, you know, there's the projections onto the bridge, which are amazing, but there's kind of 13 other locations across the city where there's large-scale artworks in laneways, big murals. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Brisbane City Council are amazing. Um, And, look, I think other governments that we work with have been really good as well, but Brisbane City Council has this program that happens every single year and continues to create more opportunities. So I think it started with like nine locations. Now it's up to like 15 locations. So each year they want to expand and ask us for our input on different places that they could be. So, yeah, we're really lucky. Well, that's great. And what is that approach when you're connecting with the different creatives? How is that? Are you going out and talking to them at various places or are they coming to you? What's the process? We like to think we have really good relationships across the art sector, um, particularly with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, artists. So we're pretty actively going out um, prior to COVID, of course, Mm -hmm. um, to exhibition openings and galleries and and really talking to um, artists and um, getting ideas of of what their work's about and, and really understanding um, how we can engage them in in different projects. And then also I think because of the reputation that we have in our industry, a lot of people are pointing artists in our direction. Um, So we'll receive portfolios from artists to say like, hey, think of me if there's an opportunity coming up. Um, We're really also um, about supporting emerging artists as well. So we work obviously with, um, some of the more established artists and nationally recognized artists here in Brisbane and across the country. But I think also we're really, you know, have a particular focus on Brisbane and those people that live and work here. Um, so, you know, we support all different, um, kind of artists in their progression of their career, but it's important for those emerging artists to be seen, on the same kind of lineup as a, an established artist, you know, it's like music. If you know, you know, you're an emerging artist and you get to be on the same bill as someone like, you know, Briggs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's really special. So, you know, we always try and encourage that our emerging artists get to 
be on that same lineup and or um, learn from those established artists as well. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's really cool. I, sorry, I've just got a few notes because I was just looking through your website and through yeah, your Instagram. Right. So if there's a million views in the last few days, it's basically <laughs> being me. Um, the one that I was really interested in was uh, you had a project up called Open Home, which was a focus on you two and balancing business and cultural heritage in in Brisbane and I don't know I would really be interested if you could just talk on that for a little while and how you get your balance um between all the different aspects of your life this that that project that you're talking about open homes was um a a project with Le Bois Theatre um and they invited us to be involved um, in opening up our home to strangers, which was a, a little bit peculiar. Weird <laughs> but, concept, yes. Um, yeah, for some reason we had sellout shows, if, if you want to say that, shows, um, <laughs> where we'd have about 15 people coming in to our little apartment. We've got a two-bedroom apartment. Um, and Charlie wasn't born at that time. Um, but we just... Um, invited them in, sat them down and um, just really talked about ourselves and, and our growing up and our cultural um, cultural backgrounds and how we kind of maintain our connections um, in an urban setting. So it was, um, yeah, it was really well received and everyone seemed to, to like it. We gave them a cup of lemon myrtle tea and, and biscuits, so... I think they liked it. I think it was like it's one of those um, experiences where you don't have to often get to kind of put on some sort of, you know, it's called a performance, but, you know, we're, we're not actors. We're actually just telling our own story. But I think the beautiful part about it is you never actually think about what makes you tick or what's important to you in your life. And so inviting these strangers in for, it was like a 30-minute show, show, (laughs) sounds so weird, a 30-minute performance. And in 30 minutes it gets chewed up really quickly, as you'd know running a podcast, the conversation just goes, right? And so how did we frame up this conversation? You have to pick like four or five things that are really important to you. And it made us think long and hard about what is important to us. And, um, you know, I mean, Amanda was pregnant, so we had Charlie on the way. And then just reflecting on being an Aboriginal person, living in the city, um, not looking Aboriginal enough or, you know, not, you know, not, not, you know, people thinking differently about who you are because you're not, you know, connected to country or, you know, you don't live on your own country. So, yeah, it was a really amazing experience, but something um, that made us feel really good inside as well. It was lovely. Yeah. Were you able to have questions? Were there people asking questions at the time? Yeah. So we did the performance and then we had like a um, a moment where people could ask questions, but um, lots of people were like really emotional. Like it was really interesting. I mean, as soon as we let them know, we took them into Charlie's room, which we'd set up the nursery and had that closed and like, oh, we just want to show you something else. And then like, ladies in the crowd were crying because like of Charlie. Yeah. So it was, it was really nice, but a lot of people were super interested because we told a lot of stories connected to Brisbane 
you know, 98, nine FM radio station, which is just around here. And, um, the school in West end, you know, they sing songs in language there. And so there's just all these little interesting facts about the river that we told. And so many people were just, um, really glad to hear and know about some of those facts that they didn't previously. No. Fair, fair. I didn't actually know about that project, so it was interesting to hear your thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, it's a pretty bizarre concept too. It just kind of jumped out at me because I, I know I've been blessed to have a friend like Jamila where we can talk about things and I can learn by speaking to Jamila and it's not necessarily like I, I don't have to feel stressed about asking questions because she knows where I'm asking them from a point of just knowledge and t chatting and we spoke a lot on that drive and I just those are the type of things that I, w I wish I had a chance to attend that because it just broaden broadens your mind and allows you to I don't know just be understanding of other people where they come from their background and stuff so yeah, yeah totally I you know I'm really interested in that too I think you know people's perceptions can often be very narrow until they have an opportunity yeah. to take the blinkers off a bit and you know, having open and honest dialogue is probably the best way to do that. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have many conversations. And, you know, some people are like a bit scared to ask things, you know, like yeah. and when you've got this kind of um, moment where people are connected, um, whether it was through the performance that we did or you guys being connected as friends, it allows those conversations to happen in a in a organic organic kind of environment, way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like when people want to know, that's when you're happy to answer the questions, as opposed to if they're just flittering around and then come into the conversation when it's trending or something like that. Totally, and, and we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The current environment at the moment, like with what we've been going to a few of the protests, um, so forth. And it's, and it's interesting too because we went to the Black Lives Matter protest, um, what was that, two weeks ago? Oh, it was longer than that. Yeah, was it? Like okay. a month ago, yeah, yeah. A month ago. And, you know, 30,000 plus mm. people walking mm. down the streets. And then last Saturday, mm. how many turned up then? Yeah. So you're asking yourself the question, are you really for the cause or you're not? Are you really here for the conversation or not? Yeah, it's interesting because one of our mates, um, Bo Spearham, is kind of one of the – kind of um, coordinators of those marches from Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. And I was speaking to him last week and saying, like, should get a good turnout, you know. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll get a good turnout. Nowhere near as many as last time because people don't see the urgency anymore. No. It was like that global movement made it really urgent for everyone. But he's kind of like, every day is urgent for us, so we're going to keep turning out. But, um, yeah, it's it's such a good point. I mean, starts a conversation but it needs to be a conversation that continues not just um as you say as it's trending hey do you feel like it's going to the severity we've had with social media and that it's going to have some effect in people showing some kind of accountability i think um recently um since we've reopened open house our retail space on vulture street um, we've had a lot of people coming in and visiting us and um, particularly buying books, um, which is nice, um, but also just being um, really 
um, curious about the products that we sell and and where they come from and the stories behind them. So I think there is that um, that want to learn more um, just from conversations that we've had. Um, what do you think, Trey? Oh, and people, I think, want to support or show their support in different ways as well. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of kind of conversation on social media around, you know, buying black and um, supporting black business, which has been really um, good for us <laughs> yeah. um, in a just in a purely like an economic sense. But, you know, people coming in and asking the right questions now, like, who made this product, where was it made, what's the name of the artist, you know, and how much of this, how much of the profits go back to, you know, so people are becoming more conscious, I think. Um, I think it's, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and the Aboriginal deaths in custody has kind of created some more conscious thinking, whether that's pointed directly at the change that it's the conversation starts at but I think it's interesting to see where people are moving um, in that support, which it, which is which has been pretty um, overwhelming to say the least in terms of our business. Mm-hmm. It's good, I suppose. It's a good start, right? You got to start, start somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, I think you know this is like a huge can of worms. We could talk about this all day, every day. Yeah. Like we could. Everyone has mm-hmm. a different opinion and I think everyone's entitled to a different opinion as well. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Like, but um, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, basic human rights and, you know, yeah. this government kind of re-looking and re-evaluating the things that matter here in Australia and you can't argue with statistics, right? Yeah, no one can sure. argue with numbers. Yep. I don't know. Some try to. <laughs> Lots yeah, of. A lot of fudging of the numbers, as they say. Uh, totally. So some creative accounting happening. Mm, yeah. Yes, I'm not sure what that is, to be honest. <laughs> yes, yes. But, yeah, I think, you know, you can't argue with the statistics um, in this country. So things have to change and they have to change more rapidly than what they're changing at mm-hmm. the moment. And mm-hmm. so let's hope that those conversations continue to happen and that change that's needed happens as well i'm with you i'm with you but i would like to ask um the mit global entrepreneurship boot camp what is that the tongue, i like the, the way you the, say that yeah, it's like the tongue twister it's like <laughs> i gotta um, get my letters right yeah so it's a few years ago now i had the opportunity well, i applied for it actually you needed to apply for it i didn't have the opportunity um so massachusetts Institute of Technology, another (laughs) tongue twister. Um, So they partnered with QUT and they run this global entrepreneurship boot camp here in Brisbane, um, which is bringing, um, they bring 150 people from across the country, uh, across the country, across the world um, to QUT for a week of intensive um, entrepreneurship training. Um, So, Basically, it's like a startup weekend, but for an entire week. And so um, all these great minds come together, they pitch ideas, you form teams, and then basically try and start a business in a week, um, which is pretty intense. Um, But yeah, so I applied. um, I was lucky enough to get in. Um, I was the first Aboriginal person to do it. Um, yeah, but there's been a few since. So, um, well, you were the yeah. starter. I was the first. Yeah, so that's all that matters. Creating no, no. a pathway. Yeah, yeah, totally. And look, I think it's, it, I'd always had an interest in entrepreneurship, but this was kind of 
um, really dipping my toe in and figuring out kind of what are the important steps in the process of starting a business. I'd already started a business, um, but it was about kind of the evolution of that. So, And how would you say that's assisted with Blacklash Creative now? What do you reckon, Amanda? Do Has you think, it? Yeah, do you think it's been useful? Um, you did the course. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you have you noticed? I'm still the boss. Yeah, <laughs> that is, is definitely the truth. <laughs> um, there is no doubting that. Look, I, I just think um, it taught me different processes and methodologies in how to grow the business, probably more so than anything. Um, so we kind of were going in this one direction, but. This kind of may open my eyes in the way in which we can diversify kind of our income streams and different ways um, in which that we can kind of pitch ourselves to organisations. I think that's where our business did this really wide arching, like we can do all these other things. And then with creative, we've kind of closed the door on some of those projects that we deliver and be really specific. And and that was also something I learned there, you know, it's like you don't have to be an expert in everything, right? You you know, like there's an ex- there's experts in their field for a reason. And so we've kind of narrowed our focus, but then we draw on all these other experts yeah. and bring them in on the projects where we need. I mean, it's just like any large organisation, right? You know, yeah. they have their, you know, divisions that are specialties and you pull people in on projects when they're needed. But for us, it's about our business going in a certain direction and then bringing contractors in when needed. So... Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. It's yeah. un- so obviously you you guys are really busy. How do you working together as a couple? I know one of my things my dad always taught me as a kid was don't work with your spouse because it's <laughs> Well it's, obviously it's, we're not we're breaking that rule, aren't and, we? And no, well, <laughs> it was just his perception of having work at home and home at work and how do you guys deal with that, especially with the Charlie mm. around it is is that something that obviously you've you've got right? So what's the secret? No, it's not. We haven't got it right yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> um, no. oh, what, oh, what do you reckon, Amanda? I want you. I to think we cope thing. pretty well with um, working together. I mean, we have um, projects that we take the lead on. Um, so, um, I guess you know that COVID time was really good to kind of um, touch base and and slow down and kind of look at strategically how our business is going to go in the future and especially with Charlie taking up so much time um, at the moment. um, It was really good to uh, have a look at our roles and um, how we can work better with each other. <laughs> That's um, very diplomatic. And then, <laughs> That's very diplomatic. I'll tell you a bit um, of timetabling that, and that kind of thing as well. I, I find it's hard to get a balance because, the, the, like, we work together, we live together, we've got Charlie and he's kind of in the mix of all of those things and what the hardest part I think about working with your partner is actually just stopping talking about work. And I think that's what your father yeah, was yeah, kind no, of that's exactly pointing it. out. Yeah. It's like, where did, where is home and where is work? And yeah. COVID made that super blurry because home and work were all the same thing. Um, I guess we were 
we, we have an office in West End and we're, we're lucky that we can kind of, you know, I'm generally going to all of the meetings and Amanda, mm-hmm. you know, is now kind of looking after Charlie. But um, it is that the hardest part is trying to kind of stop when you're at home, you mm-hmm. know, because there's always that inkling, you know, the phone, oh, did you see this email from such, you know, it's yeah. re- it's that's the really challenging part. But Charlie has been um, a blessing in disguise for that because he's made us kind of put our phones down yeah. and be in the moment more than connected to our, our yeah. devices and our work. Yeah. Because we were, we'd had this conversation about how people were faring at work. Yeah. Having to deal with being with their spouses. And I, I thought it was funny that no one would actually swap. So you had people working in the kitchen and then you'd have people working in their spare office, but they'd never swap around. And I feel like there's that disadvantage of if you're in the kitchen working, you're so distracted by food. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't handle the kitchen. And then yeah. your partner's in the room like doing everything and they're like, yeah, I had a great day. Yeah, People no. like mm, they don't really switch productive. Yeah, yeah. They're no, they don't productivity. But I thought that was interesting. We um, we have two dedicated spaces in our house, and we didn't swap. But mine's in Charlie's room, and Amanda's in the lounge room. So, I guess if it works, it works. It worked, thankfully. <laughs> but I'm so stoked to be able to go back to the office. To be honest, I mean, we yeah. could have anyway. Like, there's just us there, but it's. Creating that break between yeah, home and that, work. That's the thing. Like I find I wake up in the morning and I was getting up at hopper six and then having breakfast, messing around, showering, and then going to work. Whereas now I'm up at hopper six and then you just sit at the desk and carry Did you on. change your shorts? My shorts. For pajama shorts to work shorts? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. I just, just up have no camera them. on the meetings. Yeah. So no camera, pajama yeah. Let's go. Just so, in a full robe? In a full yeah. robe. <laughs> Living my best life. Oh, that's totally. It. I think um, that's another blurry thing with, and I've spoken to a lot of kind of corporates, you know, people who work in those large offices have said, I actually feel like, I get up and I start working straight away and then, I, you know, it gets to like two and I'm like, oh, I haven't had lunch. And so kind of the routine that you normally have at work, which is, you know, pretty regimented, you yeah. know, you always have a lunch at a certain time and all that kind of goes and then you don't know when to stop because it's the evening. It's, yeah, yeah. maybe some of these corporates have gotten more productivity out of COVID than they, <laughs> they thought. Yeah. Maybe. Hey. <laughs> maybe. I'd like to say me. We'll yeah, see. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> see, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So. What? Don't put that oh. on air. What kind of that part? <laughs> um, no, I was going to ask you now with the whole COVID and how it's kind of changed everyone's way of um, business practices, what do you think it has changed for you and what you're going to implement now going forward? Um, I think the good thing about it is that all the government clients that we have can now use Skype and Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) They used to say they didn't have that technology, but I now know that they can't lie about that anymore. They always wanted you to come into their office, you know, and then you have to park in the city. Anyways, that's a bit of a rant about that, but... (laughs) That's one important thing. And then I think the other thing is people understanding that you can work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there's always been this like, oh, you know, the internet's amazing and you can work from anywhere. But it's just made everyone super aware that um, 
you don't always have to be in the office. You can work from home and that flexibility around those relationships is really cool. Um, and then I guess for us, it's just about continuing to make sure artists get opportunities. Yeah. Like COVID has kind of created an environment where there's no live kind of events yeah. or, you know, and how do we um, create platforms where like all of our art is best seen in person, right? But then how do we kind of future-proof some of the projects that we're working on so that if something like this happens again and or how do we attract bigger and more broad audiences through the digital revolution, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of fast-tracked a lot of these um, ways in which people engage with um, art, communications, the news, um, and entertainment and pod like podcasts have taken a massive upwards um you know uh spiral because of that as well but um you know i think it's just it just really changed the way people get information mm-hmm. and i guess touching on that digital revolution what are you what are your thoughts on the whole live streaming of events because like what did we have what was that event you were talking about and they had to pay for it oh yeah no the the yeah like a music they had instead of having a concert you had to pay for a ticket to watch a live event on Instagram. I know you're supporting artists and that's a good thing, but it's just you don't have that same concert feel. You know, you don't have the same interaction with the artist. Just like you're saying, it's you can just watch a video clip on YouTube and it's the same feeling you get. Amanda, you're going quiet now. You got Charlie on your chest. Um, I agree. I think live streaming is never going to replace Mm-hmm. the real thing i think just in the wake of covid you might have been able to justify yeah. paying a ticket to support some artists yeah. totally agree yeah. with that concept um but it's just not the same yeah, no. like it's not the same as being there in person it's not the same as um you don't have that same experience you know and yeah. so i don't think that those live events are uh, ever going to stop because of the digital revolution. I think um, it might be um, a way to increase audience attendance. So people pay to go and see it live and then people get to see it live streamed for free because it's not the same experience, yeah. but um, you get to increase the opportunity for people to attend. And uh – Moving forward, segueing out of the digital <laughs> revolution, um, your emerging artists, what are you seeing that is th- in terms of how they're connecting with the people? Social media, definitely with the millennials. How are you seeing the changes from the established artists to the emerging artists and how they're pushing forward? I would say a lot of the young, emerg- younger emerging artists, I don't want to pigeonhole emerging as all right. young, young people. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> be careful of that um i think they're really great at it right they've born into that um social media um realm and are really good at promoting themselves through those outlets um the older emerging artists are kind of have got a bit of catching up to do um in that respect um but i think um There's huge opportunities, right? And so whether you're an emerging or established artist, it's actually about getting your story out there, getting your artwork out there. And so, you know, these more established artists, um, you know, need to also be um, really capable at using social media to kind of promote their work. Unless they have galleries to um, help them out, representative galleries that can do that for them. 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And so your work now, is it specifically Brisbane-based for now and moving through the state or is it nationwide? Depends on what um, what part of the business you're talking about. I mean, um, with our professional services, we like to, um, yeah, focus on Brisbane and, and promote local artists. Um, we, with our shop and our retail store, uh, we get products from all over Australia and we promote their, their arts and products uh, through our online shop and, and also a new company that we're starting very soon. Ooh, that sounds promising. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, am I going to talk about that? (laughs) It's like the new thing we're starting and we'll look at Troy to answer it. Um, So (laughs) obviously I'm the talker, as everyone can probably tell. Uh, So Aboriginal Art Co is a new company that we've just started um, and are launching an e-commerce platform in the next probably two months. Okay. Um, It's about just kind of showcasing authentic and ethically sourced Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art and products from across Australia. Um, So, you know, we started to think about what is what we do at Open House as a collaborative project. So there's kind of us and then local makers and vintage wear. What does it look like if it was just an all-Indigenous store? Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of at the moment there's a lot of this – conversation around fake art and mm-hmm. you know ethical purchases of aboriginal and torres strait Islander where trading art. black comes into it totally right yeah. and so how do we create a platform that people can know and trust to come and get um you know authentic stuff but stuff that's also you know um, bought in an ethical um supply chain and an all aboriginal supply chain you know so very circular economy of you guys. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Green well, economy. No, it's very impressive. Like I feel like I need to go and do something with my life. Like you guys no. are just like, oh, we've got a new company and we got this. And you just, yeah, it's really cool to see like go-getters. Like, you know, you the out there, you're out there mm-hmm. doing it. The and, hustle is real. And yes. I'm just like, whoa, I need to step my game up. No, you've man. Look, you're running me, a bro. podcast, you got a full-time <laughs> job, you got a wife. Yeah. You, look, you're managing a whole portfolio of things at the moment. So <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Jared. No, all I'm well. saying is you guys, it's really impressive and inspiring yeah. to hear you guys talk about it. It's really cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I think we're really passionate about what we yeah. do. Obviously, you know, our community um, – is really important to us. And then also, you know, through the entrepreneurship stuff, which we talked about before, like my passion is about um, helping other, you know, First Nations Australians create their own kind of economic sustainability and their own wealth generation. Um, Profit is not a dirty word. Mm -hmm. Uh It's not. Um, Commercialisation of things is part of running a business. Um, and how do the what we do have the flow on effects to other, you know, community members and artists? And how can we what we do kind of pave the way for them to do other things that are just as um, innovative and inspiring and all of those things? Um, but you know, whatever we do, whether it's Blacklash or our new company, it's all about kind of showcasing how amazing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are, you know, and. That's something that will help continue to create conversations around Black Lives Matter and all of those things. But 
just promoting how um, beautiful our culture is is really important too. Absolutely. I, I completely understand. I feel that us as a community are always trying to create that generational wealth. And it's not about money, but it's about showcasing who we are, showcasing our culture. So people are creating that conversation where it's just normal. Yeah, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely just normal. This is for who sure. we are. This is what we do. Yeah. So I appreciate what you guys are both doing Aww. in this space. Thank you. Um, one of the things we like to ask our guests is who they think um, we should know, who we should be listening to, or whose art we should be looking at. Do you have any top three candidates? Well, my all-time favourite artist collective is Proper Now Collective, where we happen to be curating an upcoming show um, at the UQ Art Museum okay. next year. So uh, around February, um, watch out for that one. Um, that collective has, like, the best Aboriginal artists um, in the country, I, I would say. Definitely. <laughs> I'm probably... A bit biased, but... They're those established artists we were talking about. You know, mm -hmm. they're the ones that have paved the way for a lot of contemporary artists who are practising today. Um, I'll go next. You go. Um, can I do two in one? So just like designers. Do as many as you want. Designers that I think um, First Nations Aboriginal designers that you need to be across. Um, Keisha Leon from Leon Designs. I think she's doing really amazing work. She just started her own business almost a year ago. Um, and then Rachel Sara is another one who I think um, has kind of got a bit of a cult following now. Um, both of those two um, are amazing artists and designers in their own right. And then who else do we think you should be Jenna following? Lee. Jenna Lee, yeah. I mean, we could go rattle. We can, She's our favourite. Yeah. Well, no. no you can't say that. <laughs> Edit the favourite part out. Well, everyone's a favourite. What are you yeah. talking about? Gen Jenna Lee is another amazing one. So she's done all of our branding for all of the companies that we own and operate and she's one to follow as well. Um, yeah. Up so many different people. Trading Black um, is another really great account to follow. Um, um, First Nations Fashion and Oh, yeah, design. First Nations Fashion and Design. I'm wearing I was going to ask you what oh. I wanted to have a look at your shirt. It looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. First Nations Fashion and Design. So Grace Lillian Lee, um, she's one to follow. But then First Nations <laughs> Fashion Design, which is kind of like a purpose-driven First Nations-led design, fashion and design um, industry, economy, if you, if you will. It's a lot of amazing um, companies at the moment creating beautiful fashion with Aboriginal textiles. But Grace is looking at how do we create an industry that's specifically and purely First Nations-led and driven, um, which is really interesting as well. Fantastic. Thank you again so much for coming in and having a bit of a yarn with us. And we'll definitely be following your new business that's coming out in the next two months. Yes. So we'll be buying up. That's that sounds sure. amazing. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you spending your time on a Monday night with us and yes. yeah, and sharing your knowledge and stories with us. It was really good. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, we'll make sure we tune into all your other podcasts <laughs> now too, hey? Yeah. No, no pressure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Reciprocal <one>. relationships. <laughs> that's what we're all about. Of course. Cool. All righty, signing out. Thank you. Woo. 
So I said we were going to have something super special for our one-year anniversary. What? One year, though. Yeah, I know, right? One year since we've been doing this project. So, without any further ado, I want to introduce you to our first musical performance ever. Well, no, that's a lie. We had a musical performance before. But this one is for real. <laughs> this is Sachem. Check, check, check. Yeah, gotcha. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, matter of fact, all the beautiful people of this world, I'd like to welcome you on a journey where pain meets pleasure and pleasure meets pain. Haha, -ha, that's life, right? A journey where things are so real that they might seem unbelievable. But trust me, this is as real as it gets. Yeah. Look, timid minds always see the truth I'm searching for a deeper meaning hidden in my roots Asking questions like, will I be alright? And where the fuck do we go when we sleep at night? Many questions asked, many mental scars A lot of trauma and it's sitting on my sacred heart Man, what do I do? Where do I go? All I know I gotta breathe, I gotta take it slow I gotta meditate, let my spirit flow I gotta elevate even when I'm feeling low Even when I'm feeling down and out I found a route, accounts with a large amount Without a doubt you'll find a debt. I found my heart, you bounce the check, I push the star, I push for more, even scores and even more, I come for your neck, you ain't breathing no more, I be overseas, homie please, I grow more, the scenes that I've seen, people die for, believe in a dream I achieve, I strive for, Sashim is a chief, cut the phone cord, I be overseas, please, the scenes that I've seen, people die for, believe in a dream I achieve, I strive for, I'm a chief, cut the phone cord. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Look, it's like these nights are getting colder My eyes are getting older I'm seeing people different Cause I be looking closer Search between the cracks and lines Search between the lyrics So I see if I can find The real reason why I've been feeling this way And I see the light coming closer each day And my brother, it is bright Everything will be alright If you can't see all the signs I would advise you to pray Because they speak in my dreams And yes, they're speaking to me they told me let it go because they know we'll not see And we haven't for long, and so I'm writing this song To all my brothers out there not rewriting their wrongs It's on, I said I'd be overseas Please, I grow more, the scenes that I've seen People die for, believe in a dream I achieve I strive for, so shame is a chief Cut the phone cord, I'd be overseas Please, I grow more, the scenes that I've seen People die for, believe in a dream I achieve I strive for, I'm a chief Cut the phone cord Overseas, please. The scenes that I've seen, people die for, believe in a dream, achieve. Sashim is a chief, please. I'm Jamil. I'm Jared. And we are Neon Hotline Brisbane.